Welcome to Brush Creek Film Review. I'm your host, Buddy Hanson, here today with... Jeremy Weiss. Today we're talking about horror and sci-fi films. Welcome back to Brush Creek Film Review, joined today by Jeremy Weiss, co-worker and fellow librarian. And Jeremy, you want to talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, so we're going to talk about a few horror and sci-fi films. And the ones that I picked for today, I picked like a regular horror film, and then one that kind of blends the genres of horror and sci-fi together, which is something I've always been kind of interested in, and how those genres coincide with one another. Cool. Yeah. You being a fan of horror as like a book genre and film genre, was it tough to pick just one horror film? Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) I've uh, recently been into this more of just like a sci-fi horror kind of kick. But yeah, definitely. I mean, I grew up reading all the Stephen King stuff. And more recently, I've been into like more of like the artistic kind of visual stuff. And that's kind of what I wanted to... uh, kind of bring to the table today because it's you know there's a lot of jump scare stuff and when we're talking about like books you can't really do a jump scare in a book yeah and definitely one of these one of these movies i'm going to talk about is more of a subtle kind of horror yeah cool cool so i'm curious well we picked this as a theme since this is definitely like a genre that you are reading you know you're a fan of this genre so i was curious if it was an easy selection process or not right oh it was it was hard to pick the second one but the first one is more of an independent thing and i don't think a lot of people have probably seen before yeah i definitely wanted to do the first one which is mandy and this director only has like a couple movies out but they're both very visually stunning and just i don't know they're pretty out there and i yeah it's uh it's hard either way honestly (laughs) yeah i think it's kind of a fun challenge like limiting the number of films because in previous episodes we've gone down like a list of recommendations and so sometimes like dialing it back and just focusing on like one or two films kind of opens up things to get into more detail where you don't have that as much you know when you're talking about a whole cluster of films right yeah Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to this episode because we work together and we've talked about film and books before. And one thing that I think that's fun about this episode is, and I'm not sure about the films that you're going to talk about, but one of the two films that I'm talking about is also a book series. And what's fun about that is you have read the whole book series. I've seen the whole film series, but not vice versa. I've read like the first book and a half. And so that'll be kind of fun to get into that because you can fill in the gaps with the book and I can fill in the gaps with the film and that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, still haven't gotten around to that series. Yeah. Really, uh, (laughs) really looking forward to it, though. Yeah, maybe after chatting about it today, we'll put the spark in your future film watching rep. (laughs) Right, right. Okay, so yeah, we're going to talk about horror and sci-fi films. So Jeremy, you want to kick us off with your sci-fi pick? Yeah, so thing I picked for today is uh, called Annihilation. And 
Just a little synopsis on this guy here. It's about a biologist, actually like an ex-marine, investigates this mysterious invisible border known only as Area X, and she's trying to figure out what happened to her husband who disappeared just like the year before. And as her and her team delve deeper across the border, their sanity is tested by some kind of unknown phenomena that's taking over inside this invisible border thing. And so as she goes deeper into that, I mean, just weird stuff starts to happen. And uh, I would say that this is definitely for fans of movies that blend the sci-fi and the horror genre, which is, uh, has always been very interesting to me. And this, uh, let's see, this is 2018, so it's not, it's not too old. It's directed by Alex Garland, and it is a USA film. Very cool. Is this based on a book or is this a film exclusive? Right, so I'm actually reading the third book in this series. It's a, it's a trilogy. It's called the Area X Trilogy. The movie is just based on the first book, and as far as I know, there's no plans to really carry on with that. I think it was just like a one movie kind of thing, but it, it's very interesting, and if you're, you know, if you watch the movie, you're interested in that, interested in the tone. Um, I think the tone is really good. I think it captures the book tone very well, so if you're interested in that, I would definitely pick up the book as well. Are there any uh, familiar faces as far as like actors and actresses go? Anyone we'd recognize from something else? Uh, probably the most famous is definitely Natalie Portman in this one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's uh, just just the tone of this one. I'm reminded of Black Swan, and <laughs> if you've ever seen Black Swan, you'd probably definitely like Annihilation. Yeah, she started acting when she was really young, and she was in this film that was kind of controversial called The Professional. Have you seen that one? I have not seen that one. Yeah, she's just a little girl in that one. And uh, yeah, it was kind of controversial, but a really awesome film. It's about an assassin that befriends this little kid and kind of becomes her protector. And he's protecting her from these mafia guys that are after her because she witnessed a murder or something like that. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's really hailed as like an excellent, it has kind of a cult following and it's, it's a really cool film. Some awesome action sequences. Yeah, if it's a it's a cult film, I'll definitely dig it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the sci-fi horror genre is definitely rad. What are some other films that might fit into that? The first one I'm thinking of is like Alien. Yeah. The first Alien film is kind of in that bridge category where you get a mixture of the horror, the suspense, the sci-fi all in one package. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I was I was definitely thinking Alien. And then also uh, John Carpenter's The Thing is also pretty good comparison, I think, because in The Thing, as well as in The Annihilation, like the alien is more of like this just kind of unsentient thing, or maybe it's like more sentient than we can just, you know, comprehend or something, but it just kind of overtakes our biology. And in Annihilation, that's kind of the whole thing. It's like, it's not like evil per se, it's just trying to like absorb our biology into its own. So it's just kind of an interesting idea that it plays off of there. Kind of Darwinian. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little bit Darwinian, um, just more horrifying in a way. <laughs> yeah, and the special effects obviously are like a huge part of horror films, right? Right, right. And the other film that I'd like to talk about, it has more of that just kind of visual stuff. This one's, I mean, definitely visual, but I mean, there's a lot of action in it as well. So there's a lot of action scenes. Towards the end, it does get kind of trippy, but throughout the most of it, it's kind of like action-y sci-fi. And how's like the film pacing? Because you know how an alien is unique on like a number of levels. It's a blend of horror and sci-fi, but then it's also, it's very suspenseful. So there's a lot of like sort of quiet 
eerie, slow-paced activity before like a big action sequence. You could say that that's something of like a style with horror films. Uh-huh. We're talking about like Friday the 13th, a bunch of teens hanging out in the woods. And then, you know, the camera changes perspective from Jason to the teens and things moving slowly. And then something jumps out at you, you know, and scares you. Mm-hmm. So how would you sort of break this one down for that kind of stylistic pacing and anything you notice that stands out as far as like the way the story is told? Uh, it's it's definitely similar. Like it, it just goes for a while and then just kind of picks up on something weird, jump scare a little bit because they're, they're trekking through the, it's like a jungle-ish kind of area. So they're trekking through there and everything's really quiet. And then all of a sudden either a jump scare or what it also does is just kind of have like these unsettling moments like they notice some dolphins um, off the coast and they like zoom in a little bit and they can see that their eyes are like more human more like human eyes so you're just kind of like this weird oh that's that's really weird like you know what's what's the significance of that so it kind of does that for a while and then towards the end it kind of mellows out a little bit Mm mm-hmm that's another thing about this movie isn't like none of the questions are going to get answered it's just (laughs) a very speculative kind of unsettle you and then like you're supposed to leave it just kind of wondering like what exactly did i just watch (laughs) right right yeah i really like when it's done right for example the shining i think you know is one of my all-time favorite movies and the fun little story in that is you know stephen king wasn't happy with the way stanley kubrick ended the film but you know that film to me is like so many different micro and macro puzzles wrapped into one film Mm. there's so many unusual things tied into like the way it was shot the details in the background the pacing there's basically like this kind of ambiguity where like it's either open for interpretation or I've watched that film several times over the years and I get something different out of it every time I watch it. And so I don't know if that's something to attribute to Stanley Kubrick for the way he made the film, but there's something about leaving open-ended questions or leaving kind of like space in the story for the audience to interpret the story in their own way. Yeah. That's kind of nice, you know? Just to compare that to something else, like the most popular, let's say, Marvel action, or not even Marvel, but big blockbuster Hollywood films, like, you know, some of the recreations of Godzilla or King Kong or something like that, where it's like very straightforward action, horror, whatever it is, all the problems are solved. So the movie ends on either an up note or, you know, like everything's resolved. So the movie is like, here's the problem, here's what happens. And then everything's resolved at the end of the movie. Yeah, right. Whereas, you know, with other stories, you get something more ambiguous. And but yeah, I like that. Exactly. Like, it makes it more memorable, mm-hmm. you know, in my opinion. Because like you said, I mean, if everything's just kind of, you know, just over and done with, I mean, you just kind of forget about it. Yeah. But yeah, that ambiguity is definitely something I look for when I'm looking for horror because I I think jump scares are, you know, they're easier to do than that kind of unsettling thing. Uh-huh. Now, I've never heard of that term. Is that like a, like a horror expression, jump scare? Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like you see it more in, like, the most popular kind of horror movies where they just kind of, you know, walking down the hallways and someone's like, oh, are you home or something? <laughs> you know, like, 
Yeah, like Scream. That whole movie is like jump scared. Yeah. It's like jump scare city in Scream. <laughs> right, yeah. Although I, I do definitely like Wes Craven. I think he's done a lot of good stuff. Yeah. But they're just kind of fun movies, you know. Yeah. There's nothing really wrong with that. It's just, you know, just a different type, I guess. Right, right. Cool. So what can we expect with this one in terms of aesthetics? How is this film visually different than something else that might be a similar genre or similar setting or effects? Or how does this film stand out? It doesn't completely stand out from the others, but most of it's just it's I would say it has CGI, but it's not like over the top or anything. There is this one scene in particular there's like this bear creature that comes in and that kind of has like a human voice to it <laughs> <laughs> and that that's always stuck in my head after i watch that movie uh-huh. it's definitely worth a rewatch because a lot of those scenes that you'll see they will just roll over into something else and you'll kind of forget about it for a little bit and you know remember it later on so i think like rewatching, like the scenes are definitely rewatchable because you can kind of experience those with you know the the whole film in mind gotcha cool so where can folks find this in our library collection so this one is going to be um, in our catalog on DVD. Might have been on Canopy for a while, but it's not at the moment. But it's definitely on DVD. Okay. And we'll have in our show notes, just a reminder for our listeners, we put all the information for the stuff we talk about in the show notes on the podcast. And if you click through the little description, there's notes that will open up. And if you're looking for, you know, information on something that we talk about you can always go to those show notes and we've started hyperlinking those too so that it'll take you directly to our catalog so would that one be uh, more sci-fi than horror yeah this one's it's definitely a little bit of both but i would say like 60 percent sci-fi 40 percent horror somewhere in there yeah okay yeah okay so for my sci-fi pick i went with the expanse And I look through the credits for the film series and I put down what they had there, but there's actually, there's like a huge, the credits go on and on for this series. So there's a lot of people involved. It's a sci-fi film series. So I have down here, Mark Fergus and Hawk Ostby as directors, but they might be credited more with like creating and producing. I'm not, I'm a little fuzzy basically on like who exactly to credit. And I would imagine because it's a series, you know, a lot of times they'll have different directors directing different episodes, that kind of thing. But uh, Mark Ferguson, Huck Ostby are credited as creators, directors. And so, yeah, it was released in 2015. And as far as I know, they're still creating new episodes for this. I have seen season one, two and three, but there is a season four as well. And I watch these all on DVD through the library. So The Expanse is a it's a sci fi series. It's based on the book series. And I started by reading the first book and I finished the first book and was just getting into the second book when I started to watch the film version. And I got so into the film, I like shot past where I was in the books, which I promised myself I wasn't going to (laughs) do. But I did it anyway, because the film, the series was just so awesome and addictive and very like binge worthy, you know, but I wanted to make a little note here about this, because I was reading the books first, right? 
and we actually didn't have the films in our library collection. And I thought this would be a nice opportunity to remind folks that if there's a DVD that you know is available that we don't have in our collection, we have this place on our website where you can recommend a purchase for our collection. And so I actually did this for the Expanse film series. And I think it was like three weeks, maybe a month. And they ended up buying it. And that was the first time I'd done that before. So, so yeah, it's a good reference. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that for a patron the other day. And it was surprisingly quick. I was, I was pretty impressed. So, yes, you can go to the page on our website and I'll put a link in the notes. You can recommend a purchase. And so I did that for the Expanse film series because we had the books, but we didn't have the film. And lo and behold, they purchased the films. The films are really cool in our DVD collection because you get the whole season in one box, which is really nice. We used to separate the episodes. So if it was, you know, three or four different discs for season one, you would have to check those out and they'd be in like separate boxes. But we've changed that so that now when you check out like Expanse season one, you get the whole season one in one box, which is really nice. Right, right. So yeah, so I've actually watched the whole season one, two, and three two times, which if you dive into this, you'll realize that's kind of crazy because it's like a lot, it's like hours and hours of film. (laughs) (laughs) But I guarantee it's worth it. If you're a fan of sci-fi, The Expanse is based on the epic sci-fi book series by James S.A. Corey. And by the way, James S.A. Corey is a pen name that's a combination of two authors that worked on this book. It's an action-packed TV series that brings the book to life. And my favorite way to to kind of summarize The Expanse is this is basically Star Wars for adults. (laughs) It's an interstellar space opera, a cyberpunk thriller, a must-see for fans of the sci-fi genre. So, Jeremy, this this is going to be fun to talk about because you've read the whole book series, right? Yeah, so I've read all the way up to, uh, so there's going to be nine books, and I've read uh, the first eight. I think the last book's coming out next next uh, next year, I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm finally, I'm on book two, actually, which is totally cheating because I've watched season one, two, three, which surprisingly, most of season one through three is actually just book one. Oh, wow. It's amazing how much film they created just based on the very first book. So yeah, they cover a lot of territory. It's pretty close to the book when you're talking about adaptations, films that are made based on really popular books. And as far as I know, The Expanse is a pretty popular book series, right? Yeah, I think especially with the show coming out, I think it's really picked up as well. Yeah. So I got into the film and book, I would say, like, after this had been out there for a while. I I don't know how you feel about this. I'm not the type of film fan or, you know, I'm not the type of reader that I don't necessarily read the newest thing that's popular. And I don't know if it's just like my own taste in books and film or or what but I just like for example I'm reading Dune right now which has been out since you know the 60s or 70s you know and I've seen the film I I know all about the story but you know I'm just now getting into the book for the first time so like this is kind of like a thing with me like The Expanse has been out for a while now Mm -hmm. the film series was released in 2015 it's 2020 now so yeah I feel like I'm kind of like I'm behind the trend or the popularity a little bit, you know? So I'm I'm curious, when did you get into the book series and like, how did you hear about it? I would say, I feel like maybe two, three years ago, somewhere in there. 
And then, you know, once I had them, I just, I just read them all, read them all through because I just really enjoyed it. And I think I first heard about it. George R. R. Martin, the Game of Thrones author, I think he was talking about them. Yeah. And he said he really enjoyed them because a lot of people compared it to the Game of Thrones or the Song of Ice and Fire series where it's just kind of like a Game of Thrones, but just kind of in space. Right. And there's a massive cast of characters. Yeah. And lots of different viewpoints from each of the characters, which I really like. Yeah. I've read that uh, James S.A. Corey, the writers that wrote The Expanse, actually worked for Martin. They were assistants or something like that. So they actually know each other. Oh, yeah. That's, I think I do remember hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. So for the film, comparing it to Star Wars, if you're into sci-fi, you know, I like Star Wars just as much as anyone. I wouldn't call myself like a Star Wars fan, though. You know, what I like so much about The Expanse, not only is it like Star Wars for adults, and what I mean by that, the characters curse, there is violence, there is definitely humor in this, but it's adult humor. It's not like Star Wars where you have goofy voices and things that cater to like child entertainment, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, especially with Star Wars, as it went beyond the original trilogy, it seemed like the films, and I haven't seen, I I think I saw the new one right after, you know, when it was kind of revived. I I don't even know what the number is. Have you seen, like, all the most recent Star Wars? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're lost on me, too. It's, uh... (laughs) Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm lost. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. (laughs) So I'm a little lost with the new stuff. But what I know about the new stuff is that it kind of took a turn further into the direction of entertainment for children, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But you know, The Expanse is definitely like, I like I, I don't know if I'd recommend this for like little kids, you know. No, no, not at all. Yeah. And another thing you mentioned, uh, I think we might have talked about this before, but like uh, The Expanse is one of those things where it's it's definitely sci-fi, but it's, it's in the realm of like believable sci-fi. So you could almost see this stuff really happening, which I think is kind of cool. And a lot of people like that. A lot of people don't. I mean, Star Wars is more something like, you know, anything could happen. And uh, it's it's a, it's a different type, but I mean, the believable sci-fi is kind of cool because it makes it more real in a sense, and you could actually see it happening someday. Right, right. They have a really clever way of telling this part of the Expanse story in the film, and it's a little bit different comparing the book to the film, but they do it in a really great way where they kind of explain, for example, the engineer that invented the hyperdrive, basically like the power system that powers all the ships in the future. So there's this kind of like little built-in backstory where you go back in time in the film and they tell this little mini story about the guy when he discovered this hyperdrive system that basically makes all the space travel stuff possible. And it's just kind of a neat little story that's necessary in the larger story they talk about this in the book as well but it's like stuff like that kind of detail that ties into what you're talking about like you know making it believable making this story feel kind of real Mm. like you're getting a little glimpse into the future right yeah i remember one of my favorite little details about this um was when they were on an asteroid and they were spinning it to give it gravity and uh they were in a bar and they're having like little whiskey glasses of some whatever they were drinking and their drinks were just slightly listing to the left because the gravity was imperfect i guess and it was spinning and everything was just kind of like tilted (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, all that kind of detail, like it really adds up. I've never written my own sci-fi story, but I mean, you have to have a pretty powerful imagination to create some of this stuff, you know? Right. So I have a lot of respect for sci-fi writers for sure when it comes to building up this kind of detail. But I think for me, I don't remember how I first heard about this. I know, Jeremy, you and I talked about this last year sometime when I was still watching the films and reading the book. But what I really enjoyed about the film and the book is because I'm not as big of a fan of like the Star Wars type sci-fi films because they do feel a little bit more, I don't know, juvenile or not as like realistic. I'm a big fan of cyberpunk style sci-fi, but I do like it to feel a little more mature, a little more adult. Mm. And then beyond that, so part of the deal with The Expanse is you get into this whole political story and some of the reviews of the film series, the negative criticism say that it's too complicated, but politics is actually something I really like about it. And just to kind of explain that a little bit. So basically, the whole story of The Expanse takes place in the future, okay? And basically, humanity has branched out into the galaxy. So you have planet Earth and the United Nations, you have Mars, and then you have the uh, outer planet, otherwise known as the Belt. The story builds up this political system where you have three factions that are all in turmoil with each other and fighting over different things like resources and political power. And then the book gets really into these outer planets and the people that live on these outer planets. The culture, you know, they actually talk different because it's like a whole society of people that grew up living in this asteroid belt. And so they have like their own way of talking. And a lot of the characters are like covered in tattoos and they're part of these tribal gangs almost the group is called the OPA and so you have this cool political story that kind of wraps all the characters into this big complicated space opera and so I think that's really cool and some people might feel they might get a little lost in this one thing I do recommend is the first time I watched this series I do think there are things that you'll get out of it if you go back and watch it again but yeah that combination of kind of what you were saying like believable realism even like some of the technology is kind of explained. But then beyond that, the culture that's described in the film and the book, the political conflict between these different parts of the Earth versus Mars and the outer planets, it all has a very kind of real world feel to it, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Reading the books now, do you think after reading the or watching the series, do you think that they're as enjoyable? Or are they giving you like a, a perspective, kind of different perspective on it now that you're reading again? I just got into the second book after trying to read it a couple times. So I just started it again, and I'm actually kind of rereading some stuff. And yeah, I think what's good about the book and the film is they play off of each other very well. <laughs> you know, I think if anything, you know, obviously the book's always going to give you more backstory, more information than the film. But the film stays pretty tried and true to the book. So I think the only thing I don't like about going back to the book, and the reason I wanted to read the book first before I watched the film, is I don't like once you've seen a film that's an adaptation from a book, I don't like that like the characters are kind of burned into your brain. So that when you go back and you read the book, the imagery as you're reading is like triggering memories of the film. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because like for me, I mean, if I'm reading something like Lord of the Rings, I mean, I can't ever unsee the movies for those types of characters. Like those will always be you know, what I'm seeing when I'm reading. So, right. 
Yeah, I definitely wanted to watch the series, but I don't know, man. The, the book isn't coming out till next year. I might have to just start it. <laughs> yeah, I think the film is so good. There's a ton of characters in The Expanse, but there's some really great actors and actresses. A lot of them are I've never seen before in anything else, but there's a whole list of familiar faces. So just to name a couple of cameo appearances, you have Jonathan Ray Banks, who uh, are you familiar with him? I am not. So Jonathan Ray Banks plays Mike in Breaking Bad. Remember that character? He's like an older gentleman that's like a retired detective. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's also in uh, Better Call Saul. (laughs) Right, right. But so he has like this little tiny cameo appearance, I think in the very first episode. That's really great. You have Chad L. Coleman. He's like the head of the OPA on Tycho Station. And he's a familiar face if you are a fan of The Walking Dead. Elizabeth Mitchell, she's a really incredible actress, and she's in this film with, oh, I can't think of her name, but there's this film called Gia. Have you ever seen Gia? It's about a supermodel. Uh, No, I don't think I have. It's based on a a real story. Who's the lady that played Laura Croft in uh, the Tomb Raider movies? Oh, uh, Angelina Jolie. Yes, Angelina Jolie is in this movie called Gia about based on a true story about a supermodel. And Elizabeth Mitchell is a character in Gia. And she's someone I hadn't seen in a long time. And she popped up later on in the Expanse series. And I was like, wow, you know, like, she's an incredible actress. Mm -hmm. There's uh, David Stratharn. Are you familiar with him? I'm not sure if I pronounces his last name right. Stratharn. What else is he in? Well, he plays one of the OPA characters, and he's he really nailed like the OPA accent. So he's got this really thick, kind of hardcore accent in The Expanse. But he's been in a whole bunch of movies. But one of my favorite movies that he was in, Sneakers. Have you ever seen Sneakers? Mm-hmm. He's been in movies, you know, going all the way back to like the 80s. He's just a really excellent actor. He was also in a movie with Tom Cruise called The Firm. He played his brother. He has a bunch of cameo appearances and other stuff. But so he's in Expanse. Adam Savage, you know who Adam Savage is? Adam Savage was one of the original creative people that built props and stuff for the original Star Wars. He's a big name. He runs his own YouTube channel now, and they do all sorts of like maker videos on special effects and model making and miniature making. So he is apparently a big fan of The Expanse, and so they cast him in this very small cameo role that's kind of later in the film series. So if you pay attention, he's sort of an extra in uh, this one. One sequence in the film so that's kind of fun <laughs> yeah and then my favorite character who is a pretty new actress she her name is frankie adams and she's a samoan new zealander so she's from new zealand and she plays one of my favorite characters bobby draper do you remember bobby draper from the books oh she was the mars marine martian marine that's just super hardcore and she's ripped and she's like real dedicated to her like marine duties and she gets into some political conflict with her own her own leadership and frankie adams plays bobby draper and she's just such a strong character she's uh she's just really great so anyway just wanted to point out a couple of actors and actresses that are in there Overall, I think if you're a fan of sci-fi film, if you like sci-fi that's not like realistic, but kind of built in a way that all the kind of detail of culture and politics and struggles, you know, a lot of the story is about power struggles, you know, between different factions 
And something I completely forgot to mention is that a big part of the whole book, the first book, the whole first and second season is two of the main characters are Miller and Holden. And Miller, he's like an investigator cop, kind of reminds me of like Bruce Willis and a lot of Bruce Willis characters, you know, like. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, like Die Hard and The Last Boy Scout. Like he's got, he's rough around the edges and, you know, so tied into like all this space stuff at the very core of the story is basically like a film noir mystery, just kind of another layer of awesome. So yeah, overall, like the expanse is, it's kind of like a huge cake where each layer of the cake is like a different flavor, you know, and it's big, you know, it's a big cake. So it's got a, it's got a lot of different stuff in it. Yeah. And you mentioned like, uh, like cyberpunk kind of stuff. I really enjoy that stuff that they're coming out with. Um, I feel like a lot more writers are doing it now and you can just play around with that kind of stuff. It's really fun. Just mixing of all this, you know, genre blending kind of, kind of deal. Yeah, one of my favorite things about the film is the main characters are on this ship that's actually a stolen Martian cruiser called the Rosinante. They rename it the Rosinante. And it's funny, but like the ship is almost like a character in the book and the film. So it's like this super jazzy military grade ship that you know they take this thing into battle several times and it'd be interesting jeremy for you to see the film and see sort of how they handled action sequences and stuff because i didn't know what to expect but they do some really cool stuff with the action and, and the way the the ship is laid out is really sweet and the effects are really fantastic yeah i'm definitely excited for it i've been meaning to get to it for a while I just wanted to mention the, I've never actually read it. I've always wanted to read this one too, but the Don Quixote. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, apparently uh, Rosinante is the horse in that uh, that series. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was kind of a funny little little thing there. Yeah, yeah, that's clever. And actually Terry Gilliam did Don Quixote film, which is like, we could do a whole episode on that. And there's actually several films about how Terry Gilliam was trying to make that book into a film for like, I think over a decade. And he he like actually started filming it. He had Johnny Depp cast in it. And everything that could possibly go wrong with the film production happened. And so they never ended up finishing it. And then he ran into financing issues. And actually, there's a whole film about Terry Gilliam trying to make Don Quixote and how it completely failed. And he finally actually finished that film. And it was like a really big deal when it was released because he'd been trying to make Don Quixote for like decades. (laughs) Yeah. And we have it on DVD. I just saw it last year and it's fairly new. So So anyway, yeah, The Expanse is pretty sweet. I love the book. I love the film. I think they both have something fun and entertaining to offer sci-fi fans. I guess the only caveat with both the book and the film is, you know, I don't think it's suitable for younger ages. I would say this is more of an adult genre. But yeah, the film is excellent. The book is also excellent. And we have both at the Kansas City Public Library. We have season one, two, and three. There is season four, which I haven't seen yet, but we don't have that one yet. So that's kind of newer material. And the book is, it's very action-packed, which is another thing I personally like when I'm reading sci-fi. Yeah, the action scenes are fun to read because there's all the physics and space and, you know, you shoot a gun and you go backwards and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like the seats that they sit in and the Rosinante. 
I think they call it like the juice or something, but it's basically like when you're moving at a certain speed in space, at some point your body can't handle the G-force when you're moving that fast. So they hit like a button on the ship and then it gives you like an injection of fluid to keep your vitals going, <laughs> which is really cool. You know what I'm talking about? what was it like uh what do they call them like the crash couches yeah 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 that was i thought that was really cool because they had to start like their breaking burn is what they called it and they were going so fast right there's a couple of great sequences where it's like a chase sequence and they're pushing the ship to its maximum speed capacity they're trying to follow someone or something but then they hit the threshold of what the crew can handle physically they're like you know we might not survive this because we're moving so fast Fast, but so then they hit a button and they the camera zooms in on these hoses that are connected to the seat in the film they call it you know give me some juice and they hit a button and then they show fluid shooting up through this hose into into their seat and they get an adrenaline rush from the juice that's being pumped into them to keep their vitals going <laughs> right yeah it's it's pretty sweet yeah details like that where we take like a big step away from children's entertainment (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah for sure cool okay that's gonna do it for this episode we decided to go ahead and split these up again and we'll continue with jeremy in the next episode and focus on horror films which is the other part of this topic and just a couple of quick notes here we recorded this episode a while ago and since then jeremy has moved from kansas city public library out of state to pursue new adventures i will do my best to keep in touch with jeremy and jeremy if you're listening to this we really appreciate your participation in the show and it was a blast working with you and thank you so much for everything you've done for the library and we wish you the best of luck as you move upward and onwards in your new home so yeah jeremy will be back in the next episode we're going to continue with our second two picks which are horror films and then one other quick note here we prepare notes that are attached to each podcast and the notes have things like keywords websites sometimes video references put some real time and effort into preparing those notes for our listeners so if anything that we're discussing throughout the show interests you check out those notes because there's some really great links everything is hyperlinked so you just click on the links right there in the pdf file and it'll take you either to our catalog where you can see the materials in our kansas city public library catalog or it'll take you elsewhere to websites sometimes youtube videos sometimes behind the scenes videos sometimes word definitions you never know what's going to be in there but there's some excellent material in there so make sure you check out the notes And that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back again with Jeremy Weiss for part two. Our digital branch manager is David LeCrone. Our graphic designer is Levi Hoffmeyer. The show is edited by myself and David LeCrone. And our music is by my pal, the one and only Franny Finstrom-Clark. Thank you for listening. Take care. And we'll see you in the next show.